This is often a common question about choice. What still defines our lives, karma or our free choice? If we're talking about free choice, what does this really mean? Ordinary people have a free choice within karma. If a person wants to rise above these laws, then they must apply the Kriya method, which leads them to cosmic consciousness and the possibility to rise above the laws of karma. You might have heard that the reason behind the laws of karma and why they are accumulated is according to the laws of a planetary influence. That is why people have events in their lives that are associated with what we call astrology. It's what causes the barriers in our life. Not all people have good karma. Not all people have a good astrology map. If people have problems, they are told it is the influence of certain planets, Venus, Mercury, Shani, Rahu or Ketu, and that all that is connected with these spiritual astrological manifestations are all elements of karma. A person who moves towards self-development can go beyond it all, rise above these laws. This is largely helped by the science of Kriya, where you evolve and reach the level of consciousness that will allow you, using this knowledge, to rise above it all. That is why many saints call out to leave astrology, to leave all the so-called other schemes or ways that offer, let's say, different systems and directions, and just start praying. Only God has the prerogative to solve these tasks. He can pull you out of it. He can change karma. He can change astrology or cancel it, because it has happened many times before. It's the only opportunity, and it will become your destiny. A free choice lies within. We have the freedom to choose, as usual, within these laws. In an unusual state, when you meditate, you have even greater power, the freedom to choose to properly understand these laws and get out of them. This is how hard this scheme is. If you put it in simple terms, then you have two options. Either you go down the path of karma and realize what you are given, or you switch your attention to the level of cosmic consciousness, move in the direction of divinity and spirituality, so you and the Creator come closer through spiritual practice, praying and meditation. This helps you to emerge from the influence of karma. This is the only possibility. But, as a rule, the majority of people still go on the traditional path and it is hard to make a change, to stop perceiving themselves within the limits of karma, without turning to God and standing under His protection. How realistic is it and how fast is it possible to achieve peace and freedom? It is as real as that moment of your life when you are left without strength and the ability to do anything. The only thing left is to shout towards the heavens, shout to God and say, help! That's when everything stops working and His will is turned on and He pulls you out. That's what you have to do in the direction of moving from, let's say, a state where you're like a slave, asleep or like a sheep. 
There is a shepherd, and there is a herd, and these sheep, they are forced to live out this miserable existence, and it is a very serious matter. When a person understands this, they then have to switch their attention. It is an inner state, it is like an interior explosion, it is like a cry of the soul. This is what allows the person to switch to another level. It's not easy to do, as it seems, because while it's still fine, the mind has not yet fully understood, or the person has not fully suffered. There are people who have suffered greatly, and they have no choice but to shout to the Father, the Creator. Then it all happens. It will happen even faster the more sincere that you are. Therefore, as Master Jesus said in his time, you can only carry as much as you can bear. Everyone will be given as much as they can carry with them. That is, if you meditate, if you practice, if you are moving in the direction of unity, then you attract these forces and you will succeed. What helps us stay on the spiritual path and not return to a more familiar way of life after the critical moment of the call of the Almighty has passed and everything has more or less normalized, a return to old habits, images and thinking begins? Or is something changing? There is an expression, he won't lock the barn door until after the horse is stolen. It is usual for ordinary people to start looking for a spiritual path after a troublesome event happens in their life, or if they are already on the path of spiritual development, they try to do something. Most of the time you want to stop to do something, you want to live a normal life. Why meditate if it is easier to watch TV? But events happen and life makes a person still follow the spiritual path. Every person goes through it. If we have stood on the path and we do not want to leave it, then we must have knowledge and clear understanding. There must be motivation. We need to know what to live for, where we came from, who we are now and where will we go after life. These are the four main questions. If a person is serious about his life and is afraid to die, then they must understand that they need to do something not to just disappear. Fear of death is one of the most powerful tools that allows a person to do something. And that fear has arisen for this very reason, because when a person is okay, they do nothing. Only a few thank the Creator for the fact that they are all well. They are high spirits. Two options. Either life makes you move towards this direction, or you move yourself through motivation and knowledge. It is very important to understand that it is better not to wait until life forces you to move. It is better to do something yourself. If we say, going back to the original question about karma, what is karma after all? Is this the realization of our past incarnations and their influence and how by acting in this current life we affect it? Karma has three main types, four in total, but the main three, the past, the present and the future, all work together. Therefore, if you have karma in this life, it is the result of your acts in the past. Now, in the present life, you are committing actions that can create new karma in the future, 
so it is better to do nothing than trying to fill something artificially. It is better to follow the events, to follow what is called the world, without creating something specifically, then you will not create karma. Sometimes they say stop and don't do anything. A sage is someone who does nothing at all, but this doing nothing does not include the notion of indifference or idleness. Not doing anything unnecessary is what non-doing is. The Taoist principle of non-doing is not doing anything unnecessary, but following the path. These people don't create karma. But if you already have karma, then by spiritual practice you can get rid of it. Kriya Babaji, as a method, frees a person from negative karma and in the end from all karma. Because the system itself is designed in such a way that you turn your attention to the higher self, to the Atman that you, in fact, are. Atman is beyond karma. Atman is God. God is beyond karma. He cannot limit himself to something because he is limitless. But even if there are some limitations, for example, which is impossible, but nevertheless, they are so insignificant that you do not feel them. Does the soul that merges into the light and becomes this light feel the limitations? Does a drop that was separate from the ocean and now merges with it feel limited? It becomes the ocean. If you fill a bottle with sea or ocean water, close it, throw it into the water, the restrictions are obvious. The water that is inside the bottle cannot merge with the ocean, the bottle prevents it. This bottle is our ego. This ego in the form of a bottle does not give us the opportunity to be in unity with the ocean, with God. Then the spiritual practice is how you uncork the bottle. It flips over, the water becomes water and then you are free. That's how spiritual practice works. Does it turn out that by engaging in spiritual practice, we put already good karma in our subsequent incarnations, which will allow us later to uncork the bottle? If you are engaged sincerely, then you can uncork all the bottles that you once sealed and be free now. On the way to this, you are already becoming free. It takes a lot of freedom to start walking on the path of spiritual development, because there are people who are not free. They know what they would like to practice, but they have a burden that they have to carry on themselves. Something constantly happens in their lives that prevents them from embarking on the spiritual path. Then they need to ask a high master, a saint, to pray for them, to help to embark on a spiritual path. Then the master uses his spiritual forces and opens opportunities for them. The master does not do it out of selfishness. He has no selfishness. He does it as a conductor of spiritual energy. Everything happens in such a way that if a person gets an opportunity, they will act upon it if they wish. But if that doesn't happen, it means they don't really want to. By engaging in spiritual practice, they lay more favorable conditions for their future lives, 
but it all depends on how the spiritual energy is concentrated in them compared to the non-spiritual one. I am now making two such comparisons specifically to make it clear that there is a positive and negative because there is still a duality of consciousness. If we talk about the fact that the more spiritual the person is, the more opportunities there will be in the future. If, by contrast, the critical mass of spirituality is not enough and there are many negative qualities, then in the future there will be opportunities, but not as much as they would like. Figuratively speaking, right now we are creating conditions for the next 10 minutes of our lives. Would you like me to tell you the simplest effect of karma? Try to hold your breath for two minutes at once. These few minutes are guaranteed to be different from the rest and you will influence your life for the next few minutes. Here's karma. You do the right thing, you take a breath and then you have the opportunity to live for a while longer. Inhale, exhale. It's a cause and effect relationship. If you don't breathe, you die. Only a yogi can live without breath. The average person cannot. You just need to understand that if you are conscious about your actions, it creates events in the future as a result. If we talk about merging with the higher self, how do you distinguish a true desire from the selfish desire of God's realization? Because surely they both exist. True desires are not directed at one's own ego, one's own selfish desires. True desires are directed at someone in the name of something. It is the simplest explanation. There even exist people who do not live from ego, they are in service. They say that they have a desire to help the world, therefore they practice, they have a desire to help their loved ones, they care for themselves last, as much as it's necessary to help people around them. And where is the boundary which delineates these two states? When a person is selflessly in service and forgets about himself, or when they pass over that critical point and their physical existence comes under threat? A person who is in service, if he does it sincerely, his physical existence will never be threatened because service is an aspect of his higher presence, the Creator Himself. The Creator Himself through Him takes care of Him, people He meets and the surrounding world. Thus, God, through the hands of men, does His high work so nothing will happen to a man like that when everything is in the hands of the Almighty. If we say that everything happens selfishly and a person does something himself, they can afford it and it is not that bad. Even in this self, there is still the higher power, because to just raise his hand, you have to have energy and permission from above. If you are aware of this process, you are a collaborator. If you are not aware of this process, you are just a person who is given something 
and you do not understand what is given to you, where it is, how it is given. A person will be what is necessary for the Creator to fulfill his task, if he is in service. The practice of yoga, by the way, is necessary in order to be a good guide, to be a good tool in the hands of the Creator. When you are in a present state, you actually find yourself. A person who has achieved unity with Atman does not need to do anything. Everything happens on its own. Any of their actions are impeccably correct, because they are already in this universal state. Why? Because there's no ego. So, this is the same flow that is often talked about? Yes, but at the same time, person does not sleep in this flow, they are conscious. This is an important moment. Those who are not conscious, they are like spiritual mediums, they say. But the Creator has a more interesting task for us. We have to be collaborators who understand what is happening. We must be the Creator. How can a man be a Creator if he does not understand what is happening? then he is not the creator, but just a performer. You often refer to service as a way of God-realization, but what is embedded in the concept of service other than the difference between simple help in the world? Service, firstly, is the desire for unity with this higher power, and through this higher power you gain understanding and opportunities. This is quite inspirational, and this is the main difference. You, for example, can understand a person, listen to them, help them, carry a bag for an old person. It's a good action. But when you do it in unity with the Creator and being present, you can do a lot more, thousands of times more, and it is very inspiring. The whole topic related to service is first of all important for the person who is engaged in it, because this is the way to the higher self, and you enjoy the fruits of your activities to which you are not attached. A very good condition arises when you have done a good deed. A sense of joy for yourself comes about and you feel pleasure to some extent which is still selfish. There is nothing terrible about it, if there is a full dedication behind it. After a while you will stop expecting any praise for the work or help you've done. It will no longer be necessary, you will want to just do it. In this sense, I like the concept of secret virtue, when a person does a job, does a lot, but no one knows who did it, he just does it, but he does it for God's sake, for the Creator, for God in everyone, for the sake of service, without attachment to the results. That's what's spreading all over the world right now. Can we say that help is a somewhat selfish act, which is provoked by the desire to rejoice in the results of your work or help, 
and service is precisely the selfless, secret service that you mentioned. Yes, it is an unconditional state where you give yourself away completely, but at the same time you do not expect any praise. Help is when you say something good, when you do something good for somebody, but everybody knows about it and you enjoy the effect. It's such a subtler form of ego where you depend on it. There is just a state where you serve, caring about the world, but no one knows. In this context, how does service nullify karma? Service nullifies karma when you completely give yourself into the hands of the Creator. A man who has completely surrendered to God has no karma. From that moment, God Himself is in charge of all His affairs. How does this manifest itself? This is manifested in the fact that a person can be intensively working or doing nothing, but in any case, they are happy. They are calm, they have completely surrendered, they have nothing more to worry about. When they cease to worry, they are not afraid of death or life, they are not afraid of anything. When they cease to worry, their state of consciousness changes completely and they go to the level of unity with the Creator. It is called Samadhi. Such Samadhi arises spontaneously, without tension, without any special practices, but you need to surrender completely to the point that you do not care at all about anything else. Completely lose yourself. At first, you will be tested on how much you really surrendered, how much you wanted it. When you are already on the edge and your ego does not know how it will end, it is almost death, then the forces are turned on, and these forces are of a very high level. There were a lot of cases when Babaji tested his students. A very simple example, known to everyone who has read books or heard of Babaji. When one spiritual seeker went to the Himalayas to find Babaji, he knew the approximate direction and he was moving through the glaciers, through Himalayan ridges for a few months and was close to the verge of death many times, almost exhausted. He was found by Babaji's disciples and brought to him. When this man came to his senses, he said, I was looking for you, I have found you, I want to be with you, I have spent so much effort, please accept me. Babaji looked at him and said he didn't need him. The man said, why don't you need me? I've spent so much effort, I've been close to death so many times, so why don't you need me? Babaji replies that he doesn't need him. Then, said the seeker, if you don't need me, then I have no choice but to commit suicide. I'll jump off that cliff. Babaji says to do it. The man went, threw himself off the cliff and died. Then the disciples brought his dead body again to Babaji. Babaji brought him back to life, healing him completely and said, Now I need you. Up until this point the man had egoistic views. I spent so much effort, I paid so much money, and you say that I'm worthless. A lot of people are living by it. Masters don't confuse themselves with it. 
The masters are free of it all. So when a person says, me, the master replies, okay, stay with it. And when a person says, we, I'm ready, because together we are united, then attitudes change. When it's we, together, it's not me, it's a service. I, in the highest meaning of this word, is still we, because God is unity in diversity. You have said that service is we. If we are aware of it and do our best to work in the world and be present in the world based on this principle, the attitude of the people around us does not always resonate with this. People begin to perceive service a little differently, taking it for weakness, therefore manipulating how they would serve society. They are lacking discipline that separates them from the true purpose. What do you do in such a situation? How do you stay in a society which is not sharing your values? When you are engaged in true service, you ignore the expectations of society, because society is a society, and you and your unity with the Creator is your true path. When we are attached to life, society and its desires, there is a division, because the society with all its laws will never accept the principles that the Creator or the Higher Self gives us until there is a real transformation of society itself. Therefore, do not expect any support from relationships or the people around you. You do not need to expect anything from them. The only support in your service is that full dedication that comes from the Creator within you. This is your only friend who can help you. Everyone else, when the time comes, will fail you. If you are attached to the fruits of your actions in service or your expectations, then it is a dead end and you will always fail, and you will be disappointed by their reaction to your service. Your family, friends, people close to you need transformation. You also need a person who says, I have embarked on the path of service or embarked on the path of yoga. This is service, by the way. The highest service is when you develop yourself for the sake of the world. This is the way of yoga. If you are on this path already, know that the whole universe and the Creator Himself will check how devoted you are to it. That is why relatives, close friends and enemies appear, who test you for patience on your devotion. It's the first time, then you're left alone, because you can't do anything. It's a test. Either the person gives up, or he moves on, or he goes on turning more and more to the Creator. Even though there will be obstacles through loved ones, somehow indirectly trying to interfere, keep your state of inner peace, perceive these obstacles as a test, and move on. The student is not given a task that he cannot cope with, remember this. Everything that happens to you, there's a reason for it and you will cope with it. The universe will never make you cope with something you are unable to cope with. If you don't want to cope with this, then the universe is not to blame. 
If you claim to be a master, for example, then test yourself at a master level. If you claim to be a mentor or instructor, then you will receive a test according to the level of mentor, instructor, and so on. Therefore, it is very important to understand that all the events that happen to us are for the good, but not all of these events we need. It is very often that events are created by someone in order to interfere. At times it can look like a benefit, but it is not always the case. It can also turn into being harmful for your activities, your system. This can also be perceived as a test. This test is for these people, for you no longer, because you have passed through this. For the disciple that is following the path of the Creator, there will not be any task he cannot cope with.